Hey guys, it's Marcelo Anastrozo here, the creator and one of the co-hosts of Radio 815. What is Radio 815? It's a podcast celebrating the life and the career of writer-director J.J. Abrams. And I just wanted to let you know that along with my co-host, Matt Crandall, new episodes are posted every Friday at 8.15. So if you love film and TV, and specifically talking about J.J. like we do, Come and join us, won't you? Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to the work of J.J. Abrams. My name is Matt Crandall. I am one of your co-hosts, along with Marcelo Inostroza. We are here today in the fourth episode to talk about Felicity Season 2 as a whole. The format we've been going is we talk about the premiere in one episode and then break down sort of our five favorite episodes from the season the next. So we already talked about the season premiere of Season 2, Sophomoric, in Episode 3. Here we are to take a look at the grander scheme of things. This was J.J. and Matt Reeves' second second time, you know, writing, producing, doing everything and the show really started to come into its own. So basically, we're going to take a look at our five favorite episodes from the season. My first episode on my list is called The List. It's the second season of episode two, written by Jennifer Levin, directed by Barnett Kelman. Um, after the, the drama of the season finale, or season premiere, sorry, where we found out that Felicity had chose Ben, but then they kind of, you know, are on the rocks because Ben hears the tape. Um, they struggle to work things out in this episode because Ben is worried that things are moving too fast and that he's not in as invested as Felicity is. Um, and that dynamic, you know, they realized we can't have them together and happy from episode two onward. Cause that sucks the drama out of the series. You know, a happy Felicity is not the most interesting thing for them to write about. Um, and they, frame that because Felicity has a student in the dorm who's also struggling and having trouble with her boyfriend. So she starts following a list in like a Cosmo type magazine of the tips to try and keep your man. And even though Felicity tells her that's a horrible idea, Felicity basically starts also following the list. Um, and then by the end, she realizes that following this list is not going to work. And if the timing isn't right for her and Ben, then she should maybe you know, cut bait and move on. Um, there's a really funny subplot where Julie throws a big party at the loft and Sean charges cover and makes a ton of money. And Julie threw this party so that she could meet this guy from her class that she liked. And then he's so annoying that she makes Sean get rid of him from the party. Um, so I really liked that. And then of course this episode ends with Felicity wanting to make a big change for herself and getting all her hair cut off. Uh, which ended up becoming one of the big iconic talking points of the second season. Um, and that happens at the very end of this episode. The thing about this episode that terrified me, to be honest, is the very end when she actually cut off her hair. Because the first time I saw this episode, I wasn't aware of that. Mm -hmm. And when I saw her do it, I was like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> I I totally I totally flipped out. So in 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 the next couple episodes when everybody starts reacting to her hair, I was like, yes, yes, you tell her people, you tell right. her that there was a bad decision because she looks like a chia pet. 
Um, and I love when people call her Chia. Like it's just it's hilarious. Yeah, I you know I think um, I think that uh, the point that you made that um, the writers couldn't have a happy felicity that they had to um, they had to find some way to 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 uh, put a wedge between her and Ben, and I think that it was a good idea by the writers in this episode to do that and to make it in such a way where Felicity tried to, to, to make the friendship and the relationship work between her and Ben by buying herself sexy lingerie from the, from that, from that list in that Mm -hmm. magazine, I think showed that she was really sort of grasping for straws herself, but uh, she really showed a lot of effort in this episode particularly and she really tried to make it work with Ben even even at um even when even in that conversation when she broke up with Ben um the way that she did it it really showed a a maturity level on her part because yes the felicity from a couple seasons ago couldn't have done that as a matter of fact i think the felicity from a couple seasons seasons ago wouldn't have done that. I think that uh, she would have tried to stick with it, regardless of how the relationship was making her feel. So I'm really glad that the writers really chose to uh, grow her character up a little bit to the point where she realized that it wasn't working with Ben and it was time for her to move on. I was really surprised by that and I was really happy uh, by that decision. Yeah, that was really good, especially because you even wonder, would Felicity of season one have confronted Ben about how serious it was that he listened to the tape. And, you know, she she doesn't let that slide, and I think that does show the growth there. The next episode on my list is episode four, The Depths, which is written by J.J. and directed by Michael Schultz. And this is as close to a bottle episode as Felicity gets, where, you know, 80% of it takes place on a stalled-out subway car. Um, Felicity and Julie both have to confront each other and work out their issues. Uh, they are in a bad place, really bad place. And Julie has written and performed in public a song about how awful Felicity is. And uh, so that's one of the main points of contention. Um, This is also the episode where they were going to the museum on the subway, but because they don't get there, Noel and Ruby basically have like their first date at the museum um, and end up having a connection there. Um, So Amy Smart was a nice addition, uh, you know, Ruby was kind of interesting. And also outside of the subway car stuff, Ben gets an interesting side plot where Terry Polo from the Meet the Parents movies um, comes in as like a high powered businesswoman uh, and yells at him that she needs, you know, 150 brownies or whatever it is. And he stands up to her at Dean and DeLuca and says, hey, you're being a Karen right now. And that's not cool. I'm a person. Um And then there ends up being a thing there where she sort of flirts with him and invites him to her music industry party. But the main focus is on the tension between Felicity and Julie, them being trapped in such a claustrophobic place, surrounded by a lot of weird strangers, um, including Rockman Dunbar um, as one of the passengers on the train who people might know as C-Note from Prison Break. And he's also on 911 right now. Um, Great actor. And having Felicity and Julie have no escape, 
and have to work through their problems and people saying like, you're both the problem. You know what? This, you guys are idiots right now. Uh, it's kind of nice that these strangers get in to their business and they don't hold back. They just let them have it. This is actually one of my favorite episodes of the season because I, as, as a writer and as an audience member, I love when two characters just, are, are just put in a one static location and they mm-hmm. don't just have to be forced to talk to each other or have to be forced to figure something out. And I thought that this uh, was an ingenious sort of conceit by the writers because it gave it gave uh, our two characters in Felicity and Julie an opportunity to uh, to sort of clear the air and to really get down to the nitty gritty of the problems that they were having with each other up to mm-hmm. this point. And also the nice thing that the surrounding characters do is that they sort of serve as a dispassionate member of the Julie and Felicity relationship. And they contribute to um, their problem. They they sort of uh, bring out a different perspective to their relationship. As right. a matter of fact, in one point, they start sort of putting their relationship on trial in the train. Yeah. So I really, um, I really liked the function of the 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 ancillary characters in this episode being the people on the train. Um, I love that guy on the train who 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 kept, who kept trying to hawk his stuff. He was, t- he was selling. Like, <laughs> I got a harmonica here. Who wants a harmonica? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, was like he was like selling watches or something like that. Yeah, he has so much and stuff. I, uh, I I I just I just really enjoyed seeing. Um, Carrie Russell and Amy Jo Johnson be put in a box and just watching them play off one another. I thought it was really great. Yeah. It's interesting that they get stuck here. And like you said, it's like a trial or like a peer mediation where these impartial people kind of hear both sides and then weigh in whether they're asked to or not. And I thought there was also a couple of funny moments. We hear out of context, a lot of the horrible lines from the song, but then of course, we only hear the tail end of the song. We don't actually get the full, you know, two and a half minutes of Julie raking Felicity over the coals, which is frustrating, but also funny because we never hear the entirety of the song. Um, and then of course people on the subway talking about the mole people. And then there's a shot of the mole people and Megan is hanging out with them, which was amazing. My uh, first episode that I have on my list is an episode entitled crash. It's episode five. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that, I love about this particular episode. Um, I, I well, I'm a I'm, I'm a '90s kid. I grew up in the '90s, and any good '90s kid played video games. And the yeah. fact that the fact that uh, a large story point in this episode is just with Noel and um, Elena, Elena being addicted to trying to figure out Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, was I mean, hey, I I I, I played. I, I had this game. I had I I, I had a PlayStation. Uh, I um, you know, you, you know, I had a PlayStation, and I played this game religiously. So, seeing them trying to figure out how to get past the big boss level and how to get past mm-hmm. various levels in the game was just hilarious to me, and it, it brought back a lot of um, a lot of memories and a lot of happy ones and happy and, and a lot of frustrating ones as well. Because I didn't have some kid that I could call and make cry because he didn't, he didn't, <laughs> uh, he didn't help me uh, defeat the last big boss of the game. 
Right. Also, uh, the thing that I particularly liked about this episode is the subplot with um, Felicity being sort of wrangled into a unwanted date <laughs> date by her by her art teacher. Yeah. And the thing that I love about this situation is that when she goes to the date. The the guy his name is I can't I can't remember his, I I think uh, I can't remember David David thank you um, David when he shows up to the date he is really really rude and standoffish and he just doesn't want to be there yeah and you get and like and you really hate this guy immediately and once you do find out why he acted that way and why he chose to be such a dick. On their first date, you sort of really feel for him and you sort of really understand also, I think, based on what his backstory was, that makes him more endearing to us as an audience member when um, he eventually start going, he eventually start, he eventually starts going out with Felicity for, for, for a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, and also the um oh no that's in the other episode I can't talk about that yet. <laughs> so I really liked um the two the the um the A story and the B story uh the uh, with Felicity having to go out on a date and and having David be such a dick but having himself having him sort of redeem himself towards the end of the episode and all that stuff with the crash video game I love mm-hmm. that stuff that was great. <laughs> As I said, the Crash video game stuff is hilarious. And, you know, at the time, it would have been kind of timely because that game was only like a year old when this episode came out. But uh, now it's like, you know, retro and nostalgic in a cool way. So it, it dates the show, but it actually does it in a nice way that if you were living through that time or played that game, it brings you right back there. And so next on your list is the episode right after this, episode six, The Love Bug. Yeah, I I really I I really adored this episode. Um and and it's really simple as to why I adored it because this episode in the context in in the context that it was filmed, it's about a bunch of our characters getting sick and almost dying. Yeah. But in in our current context in the in the in the in the, in the era that we're living through yeah. right now, seeing a bunch of our favorite characters get sick and almost died. We're like, yeah, I kind of feel your pain because we almost we're, we're almost dying over here too. Right. So you know, uh, why you know you know watching Felicity ha- have to actually sort of evacuate all her stuff from uh, her uh, dorm with Megan because Megan has mono. Yep. And watching her have to sleep on the on um, watching her have to sleep on the couch. Watching her, you know, lying there trying to go to sleep, but uh, hearing all the other people making love in mm-hmm. uh, in the in the dorms, I guess, of above or, or or the dorms like around the corner, right? Which is great, and her willingness not to actually want to want to get up and go to like go to go to go to stay over with Noel. And uh, Elena was was just hilarious to me because I, I didn't I didn't understand why she didn't want to go over there, but it was just kind of funny. Yeah. And also to have her be stood up by uh, David was kind of funny too. And I was like, really? You, you, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna invite her to you you're gonna you're gonna 
re-engage with her. You're going to invite her to your apartment and then not, then say, oh, you can't come because it's being fumigated. Right. I, thought it was like, I thought it was like a dick. I would have bought, I would have bought her a hotel or something. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know what, dude, you could buy her a hotel. You're, you're a, you're a successful, uh, 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 photographer. You can afford that. You're a grad yeah. student. Um, so I was, you know, I was, I felt, I felt kind of bad, um, for, um, Felicity mm-hmm. in that instance. I was like, dude, you, ah, dude, you could, you deserve so much better than a couch. So right. I, I, I really, um, I really enjoyed that stuff. But uh, like I said, all the stuff with Megan having mono and just seeing uh, Megan react and, you know, all the stupid things that she says while she's under mono yeah, is, is great. And then at the end, having Felicity get mono herself right, um, and actually go back to David's apartment and, and sort of fess up to sort of, sort of ask David indirectly why they haven't made out yet. Right. And that last scene when you see Felicity and David in his apartment, and he goes, "Give me mono." I, that, that was just a that was just a really really good scene. And to see Carrie Russell with the mask, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a good piece of promotional material with this. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I just yeah, I I just really enjoyed this episode, and I I thought that it was really great. Also, um, seeing all this stuff with Noel and. Um, uh, Ruby, um, again, if you're a kid of a certain age and you see Amy Smart, um, you, you know, you know, you wouldn't, uh, you would be, you, you would be forgiven if you didn't, um, think to yourself, road trip, that's Amy Smart. I love Amy yeah. Smart and this is why. Um, but I thought that, uh, her, on this episode and uh, episodes to come that I'm going to talk about, mm-hmm. um, really gave her. Uh, it really, sh- um, I got to see a different side of her than than I saw in like Road Trip or some other movies that I saw Emmy Smart right. in. Yeah. So it was really nice to see her stretch her acting muscles in this episode. I, th- I thought that was great. Yeah, she she did get more to do, and it's nice to see that she's got you know a, a wider range, and this was a very relatable episode because you know when i went to university tons of people got mono and it was the kissing disease and then everybody would be scared about like you know contracting it and the people who got it like you know just looked horrible and were so tired it was awful and also relatable in one of my years at university there was a a girl who lived next door who would always make love with her boyfriend at like 5 a.m and the walls were paper thin and it was like horrible, like unexpectedly you just wake up to like the worst noises ever. And so Felicity going through something similar uh, was very relatable. So they captured a lot of those like quintessential college experiences in this episode. Next on your list is episode 10, Great Expectations. Well, the thing that I enjoyed about Great Expectations is... um. Throughout the first two seasons of Felicity, we understand that her parents are extremely put together, extremely controlling, as I said in the pilot, mm-hmm. but they are rock solid. You know, they, they are they are unbreakable. So to have Felicity's father come to New York to like do like a, a medical seminar and then to have him blurt out in sort of random conversation. Oh, by the way. 
you and uh, your mother and I getting a divorce? We're like, what? Right. You you get what like like what? Uh, excuse me. You don't. You, that's something that you don't that that you don't blurt out yeah. in conversation like that. But I thought that that was such a good wrinkle that the writers threw in there. They didn't. They didn't have to throw that in there. But to but to see Felicity um, have to deal with divorce. Um, mm-hmm. This early on in the show's history was, was so refreshing. I mean, it connected to me in you know in in various levels, but the but, but the one that really hit home with me was seeing her ha- have to seeing her uh, have to process that in her head because um, my aunt and my godfather uh, got divorced a couple years ago, and the way that I was told. Um, was sort of in sort of like haphazardly and just you know in random conversation and growing up my um my godfather was he was very important to me and to know that he wasn't going to be around anymore Mm -hmm. really was sort of disturbing to me and all those feelings came came back to me when i uh watched this episode and watched how felicity went through this and the other um thing that i found that i uh found comforting about this episode is when ben finds out what felicity's going through he actually basically takes her out basically takes her out on a bender to get drunk and go swimming yeah and that is something that i wish that that i could have had a friend do when when i was told about my about my aunt and about my uh about my godfather uh divorcing me because i felt like crap for days for for mm-hmm. weeks, yeah, and you know, and nobody really, nobody really consoled me or or sort of helped me through it. I just had to do it myself. Yeah. Um. So, it was for that reason that I found this episode to be sort of self healing. Although it did bring back painful memories for me, I did find this episode very very entertaining on that level, and to see Felicity struggle with something like divorce was really uh was really powerful to me yeah and i think it's something that you know like you said it's relatable and this episode's cathartic to you um and i think there are a lot of people who can relate to a similar story you know as you were telling yours uh like oh maybe almost 15 years ago now my aunt and uncle split up because it turns out my uncle had a secret family that no one knew about and uh you know, he was like one of my closest relatives. And uh, now in the last, you know, 15 years or whatever, I've seen him twice. <laughs> so it's it's so weird as an adult when stuff like that happens because you just don't see it coming. Mm-hmm. And that they explore that in this. And then, of course, when Felicity and Ben go out on their bender and end up in the pool. And that leads to a lot of the events that, you know, take over the second half of the season. Um, because of the repercussions of them doing that. Mm-hmm. By the way, I don't like the uh, I don't like the new lady uh, that replaced Papaleo. I mm-hmm. don't know what her name is, but I don't like. It. I've never liked that woman. Yeah, uh, the character, Doctor P- Doctor Pavone. Yeah, yeah, not the the character, not the actress. Um, yeah. I never, I, 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 I never understood why Papaleo wouldn't come back uh, because he was great, <laughs> even yeah. though even though he said nothing. Like, yeah. like, like the first couple of times we saw him in season right. one, he said nothing. Uh, <laughs> I think it was probably just, um, 
you know, I don't know the real life situation, but it often happens when you're at college or whatever. Sometimes people just aren't there anymore. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Teachers and staff have other responsibilities and other things that they have to do in uh, their lives. So I guess, you know, you could have said, hey, I need to do this right now and I can't be here. The next one on my list is the episode that immediately follows that one, but is a complete left turn from what we know Felicity to be. It's episode 11, Help for the Lovelorn, written by J.J. Abrams, directed by Lamont Johnson. And this is J.J. riffing on The Twilight Zone. Um, Gorgeous black and white cinematography for this episode. It looks so good. The whole finale that takes place in this mysterious box-like room, the way they play with angles and shadows. It's gorgeous. Uh, The director of this actually directed episodes of The Twilight Zone. So J.J. loves The Twilight Zone. He was heavily influenced by it. And obviously, he just thought, you know what? I got a TV show. I want to do this. I'm going to do this. Um, And it basically doesn't have any lasting repercussions to the overall storyline. Other than the fact that Felicity is heartbroken um, over the the breakup, you know, and this mysterious clinic says that they can fix it. And she calls them up. You know, they give her a pitch. We can make you feel better and it's fine. But then she starts to think, I don't know if I want to do this because nobody's giving me the details. It's too much mystery, shrouded in mystery. And then she finds out she's already part of the treatment um, and we see, you know, Noel with stitches where his heart used to be. And it all ends up in a very surreal thing where everyone is in this box. And then it turns out to be Megan's mystery box. And everyone inside it is like a kind of like a voodoo doll, a little doll version of themselves trapped in the box in a very one off doesn't relate to anything other than the fact that the characters have the same name. And it was just JJ having fun and taking a big swing, you know, to show that he could do other things than just the week to week romance. And I remember watching this episode when it aired and I don't think I was hooked on Felicity at that time yet. Um, But I remember seeing it and just being like, what was this? It was so weird, but it pays homage in such a unique way. And of course, because JJ is known for his, his super net love the sci-fi and like weird stuff and the mystery box. And this plays on all of that. For me, the first time I saw this episode, this episode was such a departure from what had come before. Right. I really, I mean, I understood what JJ was trying to do because I knew that growing up, the Twilight Zone was like you said, a huge influence on his style and, and his overall mystery box thing that would come later. But this was like almost too out of left field for me. I, I really, it really didn't mesh with me the way it did with you. You know, it, especially at the time it was really jarring because only a few shows had done like offbeat, big swings like you know the x-files would sometimes take a big swing like this um and occasionally buffy but now it's like common where you know all of a sudden lucifer does an entire episode that's just a film noir and and it has nothing to do with anything else and it's just you know this was part of that beginning trend where like some shows feel comfortable 
in doing like a very unique stylized homage standalone that literally like a handful of people are going to get it and the general audience might not, but if they don't, well then tune in next week and you're going to get back to business as usual. Mm -hmm. I did appreciate like you did. I did appreciate the last scene with them sort of being in the, in this white sort of space Mm -hmm. and them, you know, trying to figure out where uh, basically where the hell they were. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that really rang true to me in this episode is it reminded me a lot of the Twilight, of the Twilight episode. Uh, I, I don't have the name of the episode right here in front of me, but it's the name of the episode where uh, all throughout the course of the episode, you have this woman in this hospital and you don't see her face. Mm-hmm. Um, and... At the end of the episode, you discover that all the nurses and all the doctors are basically wearing pig are are are, are basically pig humans. Right. But it was something about this episode, the way that it was shot, the way that it was presented, other than the fact that it was a big homage to Twilight. So, uh, it was it was a big homage to Twilight Zone. There was something about this episode that just that episode of Twilight Zone really came to, came to mind throughout me why uh, uh, when I rewatched this episode. Yeah. Um I don't know I don't know what it was. I maybe maybe it was the clothes that uh they put Felicity in or some of the situations that JJ right. put her in in this episode, but um I found this episode very reminiscent of that particular Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. And next on your list is episode 13, Truth or Consequences. Truth and I, Consequences, sorry. Yeah. Um this is actually my favorite um episode of Felicity for season two because like the uh uh the episode in season one with um Julie and, and her having to deal with the rape I think that uh JJ and the writers made an interesting choice where they took a character that was just introduced to be a love interest and they really did something unique and unexpected with them in the point of, you know, um, having her have to go through a pregnancy, a a pregnancy thing and seeing how that affects the character of Ruby and how that affects the character of Noel Mm -hmm. was, was something really, really powerful and really, really special. The thing that I liked about it is, um, in the scene where Noel and Ruby are sitting there, sort of waiting or deciding to actually go through the pregnancy test, the uh, the composer uh, Snuffy, I can't I, I can't I can't remember his first name, so that's why I call him Snuffy. Yeah, W G um, Snuffy Walden. Thank you. Um, the the music that he uses in that particular scene where they're deciding to do it, um, to do the test or not. The this the music that he uses is so sad, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's so like it's so melancholy, but it's heartbreaking, right? Um, and that scene, and also the scene where they're actually where where Ruby actually goes through with it, and they're sitting there to either see the strip turn blue or pink, yeah. And when it actually does turn pink, to the the way that a, the way that uh, Amy Smart sort of collapses into her hands and sort of just just lose it 
And to see Noel just sitting there in shock going, oh my God, what the hell am I going to do now? How am I going to do this? Um, just, I mean, I, I, I really ate this. I really ate the storyline up and I loved uh, this whole storyline and I loved the way that it was played. Also, the the um, heartbreaking thing was um, when they finally do decide to, um, they, they eventually decide to, um, well, Amy Smart decides to abort the baby. When they go to that clinic um, to do it, when they go to the health clinic, Ben is actually working there as punish as punishment for diving into the pool drunk. Right. And when you actually see um, Ben trying to figure out Excel, I could never figure out Excel either. Um, <laughs> I love that he left. That's the thing he chose to lie about. And then Greg's like, this, this dude did nothing. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't yeah, know yeah. Excel. And Felicity tries to cover it by saying, well, he knew it. He knew a different version of the program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when, 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 yeah, well, at least she tries to cover for him. Yeah. But yeah, but the thing is, you know, to see, Noel sitting there and to see Ben sort of be shocked as to why Noel is there really uh, uh, gave an interesting dynamic to their relationship that yeah. is explored later on in the season. And it's just, I mean, it's its nothing big. It's just Ben sitting there behind a computer and Noel sitting over there in the other room. But it's something so small that led to something so awesome and, and so funny later on. Mm -hmm. uh, well, well, not in this episode. I think it's in another episode. But right. um, uh, it, it was something so small that I appreciate it greatly. And then, and then to see Ruby run out because she couldn't go through with it is basically heartbreaking, and, and, and it's really, really frustrating to see have to see someone go through that and have to deal with that. And I appreciated that immensely. Yeah, they tackle the hard conversations again. You know, with with this going on with Ruby and Noel and the Julie storyline, you know, with Eric starts to to take a turn, too. So it's interesting that, you know, they they get some of the serious stuff. Um, and, you know, when Ben and Noel meet and have that kind of awkward conversation in the bar where Ben says, I went through this at some point. And, you know, I, I know what you're going through. It was high school. If you want to talk, I'm here. But Noel kind of doesn't want to hear it because it's Ben. Um, was an interesting scene. Mm -hmm. Interesting dynamic for those two guys to sort of have a shared experience, even though they're kind of adversarial still. Mm -hmm. No, and to have Ben try and connect with Noel in such a way, we really, did, we really hadn't seen that. Uh, up to this point. And it was nice to see that. I mean we already knew that Ben had a heart obviously. Mm -hmm. But it was nice to see him reach out. To basically his adversary. For most of the series. Yeah. You know. Um, and you know I, I thought that this episode was great. I mean it was. It was really interesting for me to see. The character of Eric. Who actually. Who actually I've, I'm familiar with, with quite a bit. Because I'm a, I'm a big fan of this. Of the CSI franchise. Mm -hmm. And to see that character play such a dick, yeah, um, is kind of funny. Well, it's not funny, but it's really kind of disturbing. Yeah, to, to to see him play another role and to see him play a role that is such a sleazeball role, I uh, I thought that was shocking and not funny. <laughs> right, and it you know it calls back to Julie's trauma 
too, mm-hmm. right? So it it's all of those things that are, you know, you hear real life stories about, you know, sleazy record execs and stuff doing stuff for the wrong reason, and and they play on that. Mm-hmm. No, and also also this uh, this thing that happens between her and uh, the uh, in um, in Eric. Um, allows her to realize that she is not really over what happened uh, with right. Zach and with Zach, and it makes her sort of have to deal with this thing all over again. And, and it leads to something else in another episode that we'll talk about here shortly. Yeah, um, that I thought was great and very brave of her to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and this this was a strong episode, and I rewatched this one to to check it out because it is one of the standouts. Um, next on your list is episode 16 revolutions. Well, I, 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 I love, um, this episode, um, just because of one thing, when I started watching it and I, and, and I realized that the, I, I remember the title of the episode, I could only think of one little thing to say. And I said to myself, the Lord of Thunder sends his regards revolution. <laughs> uh, yes. For you people. That's a Marvel reference. I'm sorry. I love Cork. Um, yeah. so the great thing about this episode is, uh, while working at the health clinic, uh, Felicity, um, undergoes a, a student who comes in and asks for the morning after pill. And, um, she has to, I believe, go to Greg and ask, ask for his permission to give it out to where yeah. Greg says, uh, this year, the uh, the university decided not to hand it out because apparently one of their one of their uh, funders or one of their uh, one of the bigwigs had a problem with it. Mm-hmm. So then, seeing that young lady sort of have to have to rebel uh, 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 over the fact that they don't give out the morning after pill was really. Uh, something surprising and really shocking uh, for them to go over again. The thing that I'm constantly impressed with Felicity as a whole, like I've watched Felicity a hundred times, but I, I've never really paid this. Well, I paid close attention, but the thing is these subjects this time around seem to be hitting me differently mm-hmm. than they did in my subsequent rewatches of the show. Right. And I don't know because I don't know, I don't know whether it's because I'm getting older or because I'm just becoming more sentimental and I'm becoming more of a crybaby. <laughs> but these subjects that Felicity is hitting on um, really impact me and, and they and they really make me want to do something, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I love the fact that because of this conversation that because, – because of the situation that Felicity goes through with this, uh, with this woman, this young woman – she decides to do something uh, proactive about um, the health clinic not being able to pass out the morning after pill. And right. she uh, organizes a sit-in that leads to one of the funniest things ever. Um, he, um, he, you know, uh, we, uh, we, we encounter uh, one of my favorite characters in season two, Berkey again. Yeah. <laughs> And Berkey goes ahead and he actually makes these pink flyers and he goes, he scours New York and he invites random people to the sit-in. But I love the way that he did it. I mean, he didn't have to do that. 
mm-hmm. but the fact that he went he went above and beyond because he has a semi thing for felicity whatever mm-hmm. um the the fact that he did that and the fact that he felt compelled to do that was just great and i loved the way that he uh went about it um also i i don't i'm going to be honest with you right now i don't like this greg guy from the from the health clinic yeah not the fact that the first time we meet him the first time we met him he was a dick to both ben <laughs> and felicity that caused ben to make a fool out of himself yeah but he's just a dick and the fact that well i think he's just a dick and the fact that he eventually yeah. starts going out felicity with it go, going out and uh you know cultivating this relationship with felicity really pissed me off because the guy's a dick <laughs> you know you know what's funny is i don't like him either and i wasn't sure you know partway through his arc they give him a haircut cuz in the in the first part he's got like this poofy like whatever hair and i'm like this guy's just a dick like look at this stupid hair that he's got and then later when felicity and him started to get serious they give him like a more clean cut look because they were like this guy's character is so unlikable we got to try and make him look more presentable that the audience might you know connect with him because he just looks like a jag <laughs> like i just did i didn't like that guy at all mm-hmm. no also also the thing that I, I i love about this um sit-in episode is something really small uh in in the later um, scenes of everybody getting together and sort of like conquering down for the evening in the health clinic. There's this guy who plays this guitar, and that actor is the same guy who plays an executive in Dawson's Creek. And this is why I like it, yeah, because that guy ends up giving Dawson his first job as a as an assistant in Dawson's Creek. So I just thought that was great, and to, and to see that guy again was just fun. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I like, and you know, you know, and the song that he sings, "We Will Not Be Moved," is great. But the highlight of this episode and the real, like, 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 like crowd cheering moment is when the news show up and Felicity decides to try and art, you know, articulate her point as to why she started this sitting, but she really can't do it because mm-hmm. the fact that she's on TV is terrifying to her. And when Julie steps in and sort of brings the point home as to why uh, this subject matter of the university handing out the morning after pill is so important. And the fact that she nails the story home by the fact that she admits on national air that she's been raped. I'm like, you did, you just did what? Yeah. So I'm like, Wow! Look at the look at the look at the cojones on this girl. Right. I'm like, what? I mean, you did what, Bill? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that that really, I really like that. And I and I I the first time I saw it, and when I saw it again for this episode, I just smiled from ear to ear when she did that. And yeah. And um, oh, I I, I almost forgot to mention, uh, in this episode. Uh, one of my uh, uh, the 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 sort of subplot that I really enjoy a lot is seeing Ben and Noel trying to seeing Noel trying to teach Ben about a famous professor that they're studying in class, mm-hmm. and to see them uh, again playing PlayStation and playing another game that I played when I was a kid, Tekken. Yeah. I love Tekken, and to see them get drunk. And, 
Yeah. And end up and end up on the floor, passed out, drunk on the floor. But before that, they decided to punch each other and have a fight. That yeah. that was just that was just gold to me. I just I just really love the way that the writers chose to progress their relationship. They didn't have to they didn't have to work out. They didn't have to uh, 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 fed out the Ben and no relationship. But the fact that they did was just a welcome sight for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely enjoyable. And uh, give, giving those characters more depth is a great thing. Next mm-hmm. on is one of my choices. It's episode 17, Documentary 2, written by J.J. and Tracy Abrams brother and sister teamed up to write this one and it's directed by Stan Salfus, who was an editor on Felicity and is now actually the main editor of Matt Reeves feature films. So he, he still works with them to this day. He edited the planet of the apes movies and uh, let me in. Um, And this is a sequel to the one from the first season where IFC has become interested in buying Sean's documentary to put it on TV but they need more of it. So he's got to shoot more. Um, and half of the episode is the documentary footage. Half of it is standard episode, you know, footage. Um, so there are some shades of Cloverfield, you know, here because a lot of the story unfolds with people talking to the camera and, you know, being part of this documentary. Um, and also in the cold open, there's a part where Richard's the sound guy of the documentary that Sean's making. And Richard says to Sean, hey, shake shake the camera back and forth. And Sean shakes the camera back and forth. And uh, Dick starts quoting Star Trek. And uh, so it's like, okay, you know, JJ is letting us know right now. Like, dude's a fan of Trek. He's interested in that. Uh, so you can see those shades of, you know, later this is going to be something more important in the guy's career. Um, we see his love of it right there. And especially because, you know, him and his sister wrote this episode. Um Obviously, that was something important to get in there. And I just think uh, Rob Benedict is so hilarious as Richard. And him teaming up with Sean to make this movie just puts a smile on my face. Uh, so I love all of their their interview footage where they start and Javier is concerned that the camera adds 50 pounds. And they tell him, no, it's only, it's only 10 pounds. And he goes, okay, I'll do it. And then in the next shot, Javier is wearing a toupee. He's got a wig on because uh, he's really concerned about how he's going to come off in the documentary. He's and, self-conscious. Yeah, and we get some funny footage of Elena and Tracy, and I love Donald Faison. i uh, always been a fan of this guy, and, you know, this was pre-Scrubs, but you can see it was post-Clueless, so, like, you knew that this guy was a charismatic guy, and I like him and Elena together. They got a good dynamic, and uh, Donald Faison, just hilarious. And, you know, later when he would go on to much more famous Turk on Scrubs and Scott Foley would do an arc on Scrubs as well. So interesting that they had some crossover here. Um, and the main the main story is that, you know, Felicity, the non-documentary part of the story, is that Felicity finds out that there's an opening for Greg's assistant because Margaret or somebody quit. And she wants the job, even though she's not really qualified, and she applies and she gets it. And while she's happy that she gets it, then she finds out that Jim, played by Alexis Arquette, rest in peace, um, was passed over for the job, even though he had been there for years, was much more qualified. And she becomes concerned that, you know, Greg gave her the job 
because he's got the hots for her and she confronts him and he says, that is why I gave you the job. Like I, I do like you. So I thought you wanted this and I gave it to you. And Felicity's saying, you know, that's, I didn't, she wanted the job, but she didn't think about the consequences of, you know, the other people who would get passed over. And she didn't think it was a fair advantage that she would get the job because the boss had the hots for her. And of course, nowadays, you know, that's a real gray area anyway, that they would probably explore in a different way on a show with an inappropriate boss subordinate relationship. And also the fact that, you know, so many women are passed over for men all the time. Should Felicity really be turning down this job that she actually got? Uh, so that opens up like a whole new can of worms when you view it from 2020 standards rather than, you know, when this actually aired. Mm-hmm. And then one of the other funny subplots during the documentary is that Noel has lost an envelope filled with midterms that he has yet to grade and he's convinced that he's going to get fired as a TA. It's all over for him because he can't find the test. And then when they, the, the filmmakers find the test and they're like, Oh, we got to get it on camera. When we give it to him, he will cry. It'll be this great moment. And he's so pissed off that it's beautiful. No, um, I, I really, I really liked the, um, the found footage part of this episode, I thought that it was something... I mean, Felicity had done it before, but I thought it was such an interesting choice to go back to it again. Mm-hmm. And to see, you know, uh, to see Sean and... Um, I can't remember his name right now. You said it. I can't uh, Richard. Richard, yeah. Um, go through that instead of fight with one another over over the direction yeah. of of the film and it's interesting about the the interesting thing about this episode is that when i the, when i watched it again i when i saw the credits come up for the writing credits i was like who is that who is this woman that wrote the thing with jj and i looked it up and i was like wow that's that's her i found it i found it so cool that she just decided to sort of write this thing with her brother. I mean, she doesn't, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's not from what I can, from what I recall, she does, she doesn't write any more episodes on the show. So I'm like, what was it about this, <laughs> this one. that made her want to do this? I'm like, yeah. did, 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 did she have this idea or did JJ have this idea and what compelled him to ask her to do this? I mean, you don't you don't just go up to somebody, whether they're a family member or a friend of yours, and say, "Listen, I'm a writer on a TV show, and I really want you to write this with me." I'm like, "Excuse me, I have no writing experience. I've never written anything <laughs> before in my life. Why the hell you want me?" Yeah, I, I like I, like I'm fascinated with the rationale of why she, or why Jake, of why. Either she wanted to do this with JJ or why JJ chose her to do this instead of uh, another writer on the staff, per se. Yeah, so, and it, it, it could just be, you know, we I don't know her experience. And maybe when she went to college, you know, maybe she was a TA and like part of that, that storyline came through in that. Or maybe she, you know, was up for a job and somebody didn't get it because they were sleeping with someone like so it might just be like some real life experience that he was like i'm gonna team up with tracy for this one 
Um, cause yeah, she only looking at IMDb, she, she wrote two episodes, um, one in season one and this one. And, uh, then has done like a little bit of writing. So I guess it's kind of like maybe something she's interested in, but certainly she wasn't a, a, a main writer on Felicity. It was kind of a, a one or two off. There also is a, a big moment in this episode in the non-documentary stuff. Um, when Ben asks Sean, if he's going to finally tell Julie how he feels, which of course kicks off the back half of their arc at the, the last half of the season. Right. Also, the thing that I found quite humorous um, is the fact that you mentioned that scene where uh, 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 Richard says to Sean, start shaking the camera, and then you hear Star Trek lines. Yeah. The, the thing that I really found interesting was you said that that was going to come in to JJ's life later on. The thing that I've always found interesting when I talk to hardcore Star Trek people who hate JJ for some reason, yep. who are morons, because if it wasn't for him, Star Trek would still be dead. Yeah, it'll um, be dead and buried, man. Yes, it'll be it'll be it'll be six feet under the ground. I yep. would still enjoy my Star Trek from the nineties, but Star Trek would be dead. So when I talk to those morons, excuse me, I call them morons <laughs> because that's that's what they are. Um, um, if you don't like us, go away. Um, the you know. JJ, really, really quick, this has nothing to do with Chris Lee, but I just want to put, make this point here. Yep. JJ, although he might appreciate Star Trek, he might like he might he might have learned to appreciate it. He said multiple times, yeah. multiple times, he was a Star Wars guy in the in the in the press tour. He even went so far as putting poor R two D two in the in the in the in the wreck of the Kelvin. Yeah. At the beginning of the film, so I'm well, like. And it just shows that while well, he wasn't devoted to Star Trek, because like he said that that was not his main thing, which is why yeah. he wasn't so precious about it. It did show there was still some sort of interest there. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not discounting his his perfectionism or his or his interest for Star Trek, but I just found it very, very interesting that a guy that clearly didn't love Star Trek really just really took it. In a in a direction that really brought it back to life, and yeah. the fact that other people hate him for that reason, or the fact that other people hate him for what he did to Star Wars, is something that I I, I will never understand. I don't I I don't I don't I can't I can't really support people who don't see how difficult it, it is to be a writer or be a director because it's 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 terrifying. Yeah, to do something like that. I, hey, 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 I know. I, I write for a living. I know how terrifying it is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and you direct for a living. So, you know, just to, just to see that a director, consciously, consciously or not, put that in there, not knowing that, you know, years from now, years from the episode, he was actually going to be a part of the Star Trek universe mm-hmm. was really great. And, I, yeah. you know, and I, I, I just enjoyed um, that portion of this episode and if i could say one more thing yeah um the the fact that the uh the uh editor of this episode is still working with matt today really shows you the uh working environment that they had on felicity and that jj has in his other projects because jj is known to work with the same people yeah again and again and again i mean uh the uh, he he uses the same DP for all the Star Trek films. He he, he uses the same group of editors for most of his films, mm-hmm. and just the fact that 
these people, these bad robot people, if I could call them that, stay together and keep working with one another. I just found I just find so cool and so fascinating. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm sorry for going on the tangent there. No, that's good. When they got a good team, man, it's awesome that they keep together and it just shows that they like each other and that they're good people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, final episode on my list. I was humming and hawing because the last like four episodes of this season are all pretty strong. And, you know, there's the tendency to want to pick the season finale, but I'm not gonna <laughs> only because mm-hmm. I think episode 21, the Aretha or the Aretha theory, um, written by Andrea Newman, directed by Jack Bender, uh, Jack Bender, who directed child's play three, and then went on to be one of the most, respected tv directors of all time lost um, hello lost alias game of thrones um <laughs> started you know with child's play three but he did this this was his first episode of felicity and he ended up doing the finale as well but um this one is just a, a bit more fun than the finale the finale goes with the wedding and you know finally ben and felicity sleep together but this one um where greg dumps felicity because he realizes that, you know, it's not going anywhere because she's still hung up on Ben. And Felicity asks Megan to take her out for like a fun night on the town to get her mind off of it. Um, it was just more entertaining. Like there was more fun and yet it felt like more monumental in terms of the character development than the finale did. Um, which is rare because usually, you know, your big episodes are premiere mid-season finale um so it was interesting that this one i thought had a lot more of the the interesting beats than the finale did the finale is still a great episode but that's why i chose this one um when they go to the club one of the dudes at the club that goes with them is kevin wiseman who would play marshall on alias um so it was awesome seeing him in his early days uh because i love him so much from alias and julie you know, tries to figure out her feelings for Sean um, in this episode because she, she's starting to have feelings for Noel in the previous episode. So she's not quite sure what's going on. Um, and we get a really interesting Megan moment when she finds out that Felicity and Greg have broken up where she tells Greg that she he's basically we didn't know this about Megan, but Greg is Megan's Ben. <laughs> so she tells him so weird. We, we were married in the first grade in a sandbox. We went to the same school together and I like you and I think we should go out. And he flat out turns her down. Yeah. He's, he's like, no, it's just no. <laughs> it, it, it's like a hard no from him. And he doesn't really elaborate, but it's interesting because Megan didn't seem like a character that would have that. Cause she's always making fun of emotional felicity and, mm-hmm. you know, sarcastic comments. So for her to have her own Ben, um, was very interesting. And of course they get that out of the way, which opens the door. You know, I'm focusing on this episode, but we can talk about some of the bigger events of the rest of this season, just to cover them where Megan and Sean hook up, um, and becomes a really interesting dynamic to see her, actually with a good guy and and kind of relax her weirdness and just accept you know the the averageness of it which is is nice to see um the other really nice storyline in this episode as well other than like you know the girls night out and they're having fun is ben and javier uh hang out a lot together which outside of 
Dean and DeLuca. So it's not just them at work with their work dynamic. Um, Javier talks to Ben about Samuel and how he cheated on him one time. And they're trying to find uh, an engagement ring. And then they try to go to the club and they have to pretend to be a couple and Javier kisses Ben. And that's a hilarious moment. Um, That was kind of unexpected. But there's lots of these fun moments, but also these character moments where people are dealing with their baggage and trying to realize where they want to be by the end of sophomore year. Um, So, you know, Ben and Felicity work out their issues and decide that they're going to, you know, get back together. Um, You know, that, that whole thing where everybody is just trying to figure out where they want to be and what their place is uh, made this episode really interesting. And there's so much fun stuff in it that I was laughing for half of it. To your point, this episode, to the point that you just made, this episode really allows, takes a sort of step back, if you were, and it allows our characters to, to, to take a, to take a stock of where they are right now, where they want to go moving, where they want to go and what kind of people they want to be. Yeah. Moving forward. It's a lot of self-reflection. Yeah. Yeah. Moving forward. And that whole thing with, with uh, Megan saying that, that idiot, that, Stupid character guy, <laughs> Greg. Greg, whatever his name is. I don't, I don't like him, so that's why I, I call yeah. him Mr. Idiot. Yeah, because he's, he's a fool. Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, the the fact that she says he's my Ben, I think, was really cool because, like you said, to 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 sort of riff off of your point, Megan has always been this rude, weird person. Yeah. And we never really see her as other than that but when she does that and when she tried to connect with felicity earlier on in the season to the point where she couldn't take it anymore right uh it really starts to open up a different side of megan and when and and when uh, when megan eventually does go straight lace when she gets together with sean and she completely changes for my money yeah um I I like that version of Megan more than I do the crazy don't touch my box version of Megan. Right. And I think it's very realistic that you will often see people who go through a phase where they try and put up these walls and push people away and you know whether it's goth or wiccan or whatever it is and eventually some of them outgrow it or just move beyond it. Um it might always still be a part of them but they start to settle into, you know, the the real them and they're not afraid or ashamed of it. And the softening of Megan here is to make her more likable and a viable interest for Sean, um, because that's where they decided the story was heading. And I like that version of Megan a lot more that we see going forward. And, you know, in the, the finale of this episode where she decides to not go to Wiccan camp um, to spend the summer with Sean. It's just a nice moment. <laughs> and, and, and she starts to be less weird where she says, yeah, me and Sean slept together. It was the first time I ever had sex on my back. And you're yeah. like, Oh my God. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> oh, Megan. That's, oh, that's, Megan. That's a little, that's a little bit too much information, but from Megan, <laughs> from Megan, you can expect that and understand that. Definitely an interesting season. Um, and where they end up, you know, by the end of it, things have changed a bit, but still, a few of the familiar things are going on. You know, we're back to Ben and Felicity being together. Um, Julie 
has some more issues with her mom come up and moving that Megan and Sean thing forward, giving him something to do and trying to find a new love interest for Noel as Ruby sort of slides out of the picture um, because it turns out that baby wasn't his uh, is, is, is an interesting thing that they, they set it up so that, you know, by the end of this season, we're kind of back in old familiar patterns, but everybody has matured a bit. So the third season, we can just work through that maturing and they don't feel as young and naive as they did at the start of season two. The thing that I liked about this season in particular, in particular, I like the fact that um, throughout the course of the season, like you said, everybody matures uh, greatly in this season. And but but the storylines that I really identified with are the serious storylines like um, like Felicity having to deal with divorce mm-hmm. and seeing and seeing poor uh, Ruby uh, dealing with uh, a pregnancy and all the stuff that that uh, entails. Yeah. And seeing Julie have to again deal with the uh, the the repercussions of what happened during season one. Yeah, with the pink guy. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, I don't remember any names of any characters. I'm sorry, people. Um, I just, I just really appreciated those, those, those sort of pillars of the second half, as it yep. were, and those really made this season that much more rich to me. I did appreciate the the, I did appreciate the lighter episodes, like like the one, uh, like the like. Um, Ah, yeah, the 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 twice the the box one, the Twilight Zone episode one. Yep. I I did appreciate that, and I did appreciate the lighter ones, like Great Expectations. Well, it wasn't light, but it had light parts in it. I mm. did appreciate the light parts of those episodes and some of the other ones, like Revolution that we talked about. I did appreciate that, but to me, the 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 juice and the meat of the season was really those serious story pillars of the second half. And I'm I'm really excited to move forward through the series and to see our characters, like you said again, be a little bit more put together and be mm-hmm. a little bit more mature moving forward. Yeah, and even, you know, some of the episodes in the early F scenes seasons rather are kind of like, you know, young people problems and then some of the stuff matures more to be like just any age problems you know what i mean so like there are some very you know teens almost teenage specific like in this episode or this season story the list like i was talking about where you know they're working through the cosmo list that's not something that like season four felicity would do because she would have moved beyond you know trying to look towards a trashy magazine for help um because she matures as the show goes so i like that the characters change and now we're halfway through this series they have all matured and their problems start to be, you know, more mature as well. And just the way that they handle that um, is one of the hallmarks of the show. And the fact that it still is not afraid to hit, to hit the heavy hitting issues and work through those deep emotional scars that people really have. Well, a thing that's going to come up um, in next week's, uh, a little bit of in next week's episode, but more when we do the, the season, uh, our, our list for season three yeah. is coming up. Uh, we actually see one of our characters go through a, 
through a through sort of a life crisis, and I'm really I'm really excited to um, to explore that more. I'm, I'm not sure if you recall what happens next, but uh, yeah, I'm really excited to to talk about him and the thing that led up to that and how he deals with that. You want to take us home, Matt? Yeah, so that's season two. We will be back next week to talk about the season three premiere, The Christening. If you want to get a hold of me, the best way to do it is on Twitter at Matt Crandall. Marcelo, where can the people hit you up? Yeah, uh, if you want to get a hold of me and talk to me on Twitter about how awesome I am, at uh, on Twitter at uh, uh, QuickFanatic88 about anything. We can talk about Felicity or anything, and that's the best place to reach me. Sounds good. So thank you very much for listening. If you like the podcast, make sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite platform. We are all over the place. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm going to go spin some Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs>